Our first reading this evening from Isaiah, the 40th chapter. Comfort, comfort, my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare has ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up, every mountain and hill be made low, and uneven ground shall become level, the rough places a plain, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, cry, and I said, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and all its beauty is like the flower of the field, the grass withers, The flower fades when the breath of the Lord blows on it. Surely the people are grass. The the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Get you up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good news. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good news. Lift it up, fear not. Say to the cities of Judah, behold your God. Behold, the Lord God comes with might, and his arm rules for him. Behold, his reward is with him, and his recompense before him. He will tend his flock like a shepherd, and gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom, and gently lead those that are with young. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We write. Holy Gospel according to St. Mark, the first chapter. Be to thee, O Lord. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, Behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. John appeared, baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And all the country of Judea and all Jerusalem were going out to him and were being baptized by him in the Jordan River, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair and wore a leather belt around his waist and ate locusts and wild honey. And he preached, saying, After me comes he who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise be to thee, O Christ. In the name of our Lord Jesus, amen. From Isaiah chapter 40, again, the grass withers, the flower fades, Because the breath of the Lord blows upon it, surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. As always, it's so good to see you tonight, as well as those who I will hope to see tomorrow morning. I know that you all had other options this evening. You could have taken a little more time off, you could have uh, worked on some chores, 
You could have gone to some other activity in life, but instead you have set aside this time to come together in this church and to listen to God's Word and to give glory to God. And you do that because you know there are blessings here. Jesus said, where two or three are gathered together in my name, that is, around his word. There I am, he said, in the midst of them. These are the most important words that we're hearing tonight, the most important words of life. And indeed, they are life-changing. Why do we believe this? That's what I want to talk about tonight. I want to emphasize that what we're doing here tonight is, is not just following through on some family tradition. This is not some sweet hour of prayer that just sort of makes us comfortable. This isn't an exercise in aesthetics to enjoy good music and to hear good literature or something like that. And certainly, this is not a good work to be checked off in the hope that we will someday go to heaven. We are here to gather around this Word of God that endures forever. Now, there are three kinds of people in the world. You can divide the whole world up according to these three categories. There are those who believe in the true God of the Bible. There are those who have heard about that true God but have rejected Him and have instead opted for some other version of God. And there are those who don't believe that God exists at all or They might say there's not enough evidence to say that he exists. What I want to do is ask you all to take a step back just for a moment and just think about this question. Why are there three groups like this in the first place? Three groups all concerned in some way or another about God. And why, when we look at all the cultures of the world, present and past, And we see that all of them have some belief in God and some religious practices. If you watch some show about civilization on the History Channel or some other channel like that, you will be told that religions, like human beings supposedly, all have evolved. There's some really big problems with that idea. First, It's a big problem to imagine that human beings have evolved from lower animals. If that were really so, then we also have to ask ourselves, how in the world could it be that we have evolved so much farther than any other animals and that there are no other things that are in between those lower animals and all of us? Why do we have such an intellect? Why do we have such creativity? Why do we have such deep emotions? Why do we have any kind of spirituality at all? In fact, this is a really hard question for those who don't think God is real and that religion is just sort of evolved like some sort of crutch that people have leaned on, but now it's replaced because we understand things better through science and technology. They have a really big problem with this question of why would a materialistic creature, a cluster of molecules that happens to be alive, why would that creature ever come up with the concept of a a divine being? 
the kind of being that we read about in the Bible. A better explanation for this is that the world actually is not evolved at all. It began perfectly. It began, especially for human beings, with intelligence and with spirituality from the beginning. It doesn't make any difference when we look at human beings who lived 6,000 years ago. They are just as, were just as intelligent as we are today, though they did not have computers or microwave ovens. We forget sometimes that it is knowledge that accumulates, not intelligence. And intelligence is, and much historical evidence shows, has not changed. And we also look at all of these different religions in the world and can explain that as well because they look more like something that has not progressed but has regressed. That is to say, it looks like it came from something that was over here, but it has turned away and has become something over there. It has changed from what it used to be. Thirdly, humans, not animals, but humans struggle with evil. And we, you and I especially. Animals, on the other hand, appear to be programmed to behave the way they are supposed to. And they have been doing it consistently for millennia. Human beings, on the other hand, appear at times to improve, at other times to decline in their moral re uh, relationship with each other and with God. And overall, they appear definitely to be in the decline. Human-initiated deaths have been rapidly on the increase in the last decades and centuries. This problem of spiritual moral regression was brought to light this week when three Ivy League presidents were asked whether it was wrong to call for the genocide of Jews. These presidents representing the pinnacle, supposedly, of intelligence and human progress could not say that it was always wrong. It, as they said, all three of them, depended on the context. This is utter regression in morals, not progress at all. The world has regressed, and this is why Advent is so important. We said it already in our intro psalm from Psalm number 80, verse 1. So notice that the psalmist calls for restoration. Restore us, O God. That is to say, once we were better. Once this world was a better place. So we're asking God, restore us. Let your face shine that we may be saved. 700 years ago, the prophet Isaiah was addressing the problem of Israel's spiritual regression. They had begun to follow the spiritual regression of all of the nations around them. They had developed attitudes of selfishness, of pleasure-seeking, of truth-denying. And so in chapter 33, Isaiah says, this is what the people of Israel were actually saying. Speak to us smooth things. Prophesy 
illusions. Leave the way. Turn aside from the path. Let us hear no more about the Holy One of Israel. Isaiah warned them that they were in great danger, for they were trusting in oppression and perverseness. Look how many centuries ago that was. And look how similar it is to the times that we are living in to this day. In the fifth chapter of Isaiah, he said, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness. But the book of Isaiah is a book of hope. And there are many messages of hope. And one that we have before us tonight is from this 40th chapter. Comfort, comfort ye my people, saith your God. Speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem and cry unto her that her warfare is accomplished, that her iniquity is pardoned, for she hath received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. Advent is this message of hope. A message that says, though the world and we ourselves are morally messed up, and we have regress from what God wants us to really be, God has not given up on us. He answers that prayer of restoration. He has sent the voice in the wilderness, John the baptizer. And what was John doing? Preparing the way of the Lord. God had made his advent in the voice of the prophets like Isaiah and John, but now he himself was stepping back into his own creation, preaching, as John said, a message of repentance and forgiveness and all of that securely sealed in baptism. John's survivalist lifestyle only showed his intensity and zeroed-in message that he was bringing. There comes one after me who is mightier than I, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to stoop down and loose. Indeed, I baptize with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. These Advent prophets, Isaiah, John, and all the others, and finally the Messiah, Jesus, the eternal Son, bring hope against this moral and spiritual regression that's constantly going on around us at all times. The world, as I said, began spiritually and intelligent through the Word of God. When God said, let there be light, and when God created life itself. And now, in the wilderness of Judea, John was proclaiming that same word, life-restoring word, again. As John ate the food of the desert, the grasshoppers and the honey, he was pointing the world to a new Eden, a new garden, a new restoration powered by God's word. Here, we hear that the always around us that God is either not real or irrelevant. Society, like in Isaiah's day, wants to hear smooth words to sanction their sinful desires rather than the words that call for repentance, the words that offer forgiveness. And yet, as we see in the ministry of John and in all of the ministry of the church in all of the succeeding centuries, this word of God has not been defeated. The flaming vitality of the Holy Spirit is not extinguished. Remember that. Rejoice in that. Be a part of that this Advent season. 
rejoice and also light your Advent candles, read your Advent Bible passages, say your Advent prayers, sing your Advent and Christmas songs. God is real. His grace is real. Forgiveness real. Truth and love is real. Christ has come. He comes right now in these words and in this sacrament, and he will come again to bring justice and justification to this world. You do not need to be part of this spiritual regression. Religion is not evolving, but it is being restored. Restored to its original creation through the word Jesus, the word that endures forever. Amen. Please rise.